Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. 2 Samuel 22 and 1. Praise for God's deliverance. Then David spoke the Lord, then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. Like I said, I've heard these lyrics before in songs. You could probably take that one little piece right there and throw music on it, and you got a hit, okay? So David described the Lord as a rock, which we talked about this last week. It means a firm, solid foundation to stand on that never moves. You can take your comfort in your covenant, and that when God makes a covenant with somebody, He never, ever allows that covenant to to move. I asked if any of y'all had ever been to Enchanted Rock in Texas. It's a fascinating place. It's a giant formation bulge that came up and it's a big rock. That thing ain't going nowhere. They could work on that with with uh, pickaxes and dump trucks for the next 10,000 years and they're never going to move that thing. Okay, it is there. And you got to think of God's covenants the same way. You might try to pick at it. Absalom came and tried to pick at it, (laughs) but he didn't move it. It's not going anywhere. And so he called to the Lord, my deliverer, which is the one who gives a way of escape. And not only does he give you a way to escape and okay, see, I hope you don't get in trouble again, but he also gives you an escape and a place of security. David knew he was secure in the Lord. A lot of people tried to kill David, and yet every single time the Lord delivered him out of danger and into safety. Now, this next piece here is what really got to me. He said, the God of my strength, the God of my strength. How many of you remember a time in your life when you ran on your strength, your own strength? How long does that last? doesn't last very long. You might as well go to your car and take a teaspoon of gas and pour it down the pipe. It's not even going to make it down the tube into the tank, okay? It's not going to really do much. He says, the God of my strength. He learned that his strength did not come from himself. You know, if you are running on your own power and look what I have done, that's what's called pride. And that is a big word these days. Pride. You're running on your own strength, it's going to run out real soon. But humility is where you recognize that you have nothing of your own to boast in except the Lord alone. Corey Tim Boom that said, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. That's one woman that had a place for talking. 
that line, okay? But what did David now mean by saying the horn of my salvation? In those days, the horn, a horn, was a symbol of power and authority, like much when animals would fight with their horns, they tried to establish who was the strongest, who had dominance, they would secure their dominance. And so when David said, the horn of my salvation, he was declaring that his salvation was fought for and secured by the dominant power of the Lord God. The Lord is the horn, the superior, the power of my salvation. He sets it, he's established it, nobody can take it. Again, another reason to sleep very, very good at night. Okay, and then 2 Samuel 21 and 4. I will call upon my bank account. No, we laugh, but people do that. And sometimes we do it often. That's that's why I did that. (laughs) Just throw a spin. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Okay, first of all, he's worthy of it. We don't do it just because somebody said so. We do it because he's worthy of it. The righteous response to a true covenant that cannot be moved, being saved from your enemies and set in a place where nobody can ever have you, the righteous response to that is praise. That's the right response. Not, thanks God, I'm going to go and do whatever I want to again. The right response is praise. He is worthy of it. To call upon the name of the Lord, though, that is to invoke his name. That is to say, I know him. And to call upon the name of the Lord is to approach him in thanksgiving and worship and saying, I know this God. To call upon the name of the Lord is to pray in a more public and solemn manner, showing people, I know who this guy is. I know Byron, I know Gabe, I know Claudia. I'm not going to say I know those people. That's very impersonal, but I know them by name, to call upon the name of the Lord. Guys, you realize we got to stop just calling him God? It's okay to call him God, but there's everybody out there thinks they know God. Maybe we ought to start calling him by his name. You like being called by your name, don't you? Call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Calling upon the name of the Lord presupposes that you have authentic faith in him because God promises to save those who in faith call upon his name. It's a very specific thing. Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be, will. To call upon the name of the Lord means you know him personally. It also, when you know who your God is, when you know what he's like, you know his character, it also means that you know what God expects of you. You know what God likes. You know what God does not like. Because if you know him, you're going to know those things. How many of you know that I hate watermelon? You, you really know me if you know that, okay? I know, Ray, don't ever put watermelon in front of him. He will not eat it, okay? <laughs> you put brisket in front of me, that's another story. But God, you got to know him, call on his name. You know him enough, you're going to know what he likes and what he does not like. And then by, like, by knowing what he likes, then you can know how to please him. You can know how to submit to his authority. How can you submit to a God that you don't know? You can't. So to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, that's not cheap talk. Oh, thanks, Jesus, I'm out of here. 
But calling upon the name, I know him, I know what he wants me to do, I know how he expects me to behave, what to do, what not to do, that encompasses a full understanding of who God is. Boy, that's important. Call upon the name of the Lord. David discovered who God was over the past few chapters, didn't he? And he found out the hard way. I don't think David fully knew him as much as he was supposed to because he wouldn't have messed around with Bathsheba and killed Uriah had he known, really well known. He, I don't think he would have done that. But now he has learned the hard way. That brings me into a thought real quick that when you invent a God for yourself, a God who is okay with your sin, go ahead, do whatever you want to. I love you so much. You Just feel free to do what you want to do then you have invented a false God that brings consequences from that sin, which are designed to get you to look for who the true God is. Friends, consequences come from sin. Oh, why does this always happen to me? Consequences of your sin. Well, what do I do about it? You look back at God. That's what they're for. And so David said, I will call upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord. Now, something I want to throw in here. Whenever we see, quote, the Lord in the Bible, when you see that in there, the Lord, in the original language, that there for the Lord is Jehovah. That is Jehovah. Some people say Jehovah, but Jehovah. When it says the Lord, that's supposed to be Jehovah. That's his name. David said, I will call upon the Lord. I will call upon Jehovah, calling him by his name basically saying, now I know who he really is, Jehovah God, who is worthy to be praised. If I came up to you and said, hey, man, hey, woman, technically I'm right, but you have a name. Call me by my name. That says you know me. (laughs) He calls him by his name. Very, very important. Jehovah God, who is worthy to be praised. Why? So shall I be saved from my enemies. Well, Ray, don't make such a big deal out of calling him all specific. Okay, well, then let's not be so big deal about you being saved from your enemies. How about that? (laughs) You see how that turned on a dime real quick? You got enemies out there? Oh, yeah. You want to be saved? Oh, yeah. Then call upon the name of the Lord so that you should be saved from your enemies. If you want to be saved, call upon the name, Jehovah God of Israel. Get specific. He has a name that he wants you to know him by. You know, if you go around through your whole life saying, thank God, thank God, thank God, praise God, praise God, did you know Muslims could agree with you? If you go around saying, thank you, Jehovah God, thank you, God of Israel, look up the names of the Lord in the Bible, study his names, and start calling him by that. You watch what people do that hear you say that. They'll go, who are you talking about? See, they don't know who God is. They need to know. You could help them. Now, 2 Samuel 22 and 5. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Guys, if you ever think that David never got afraid, look at this. Well, how could he be afraid? He killed Goliath. He's saying it here. <laughs> hey, Goliath was the easy part. David had advanced training later on. Even the toughest people on earth, men who have struck down giants, can become afraid. If anyone tells you that nothing scares them, 
they are lying to you. It's, it's good and humble what David said. When I was afraid, I called upon the Lord. David had a lot of people try to take him down. He says, death surrounded him, the sorrows of Sheol. Sheol means the grave. The, the scariness, the terror of the grave was surrounding me. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to die. And David had gotten so desperate of, from death that death was so close that it drove him to take refuge in the only place he had left to go. In God's mercy, crying out to God. And God heard his cry. That's what gets me as God heard him. You ever pray and feel like God's not listening? But it says he heard him. There's a lot of prayers that God will not hear. God won't hear certain prayers. First of all, he will not hear the prayer of the proud, like the Pharisee in Luke 18. Remember, he was boasting how he's so much better than everybody else. He was, I'm just, I'm glad I'm not like this scumbag over here. God wouldn't listen to that. That's a prayer God won't hear. God will not hear, uh, secondly, God will not hear selfish prayers. According to James 4, you'll never hear a prosperity pastor give that one. And where he talks about those who pray for things and they don't receive them because they just want to get it to spend on their own, their own pleasures. Oh, just call upon the uh, Lord. I need a a raise. I need that car. I need that mansion. God's not going to listen to that. Okay. James 4 in there. Uh, third, God does not hear the prayer of the double-minded. That's in James 1. Those who pray, but they don't really believe they're going to receive it. They have a kind of halfway, one foot in, one foot out. It's not going to work. God's not going to hear that. So you really got to understand when God heard David's prayer, David was all in. He was faithful on this. He, he was all into this one. So I'll even add a fourth one. 1 Peter 3, 7 says that men who dishonor their wives and are not considerate towards them, God will not hear that man's prayer. I know guys that have come in and out of this church at times, and I could see it when they walk in the door, what's going on with that marriage, and they tell me that they're praying. And I say, what do you think you're praying for while you're treating your wife that bad? He's not going to hear that. You might as well just pray to the ceiling tiles. So there's a lot of bad prayers out there that God will not hear. And people often say, well, I pray to God. Because I ask people, are you saved? Where are you going to go when you die? Well, I'm a good person. I'm this, I'm that. Well, I pray to God all the time. I said, you know, there's prayers God won't listen to. Oh, no, God hears all prayers. No, he doesn't. There's a bunch of them he will not listen to. Do you constantly fight with your wife? God's not listening. Do you ask for selfish things? God's not listening. Do you think you're better than other people, putting them down to make yourself feel better? God is not listening. You know, David was once proud, wasn't he? He was once a proud guy, but he fell into sin. But it wasn't until the Lord humbled him down through the threat of dying. Do you see that? He was afraid death was going to come get him. And then with that prayer, that's when the Lord heard him. People ask, why is there suffering in the world? Well, there it is right there. Get people all in, not 2%. No, that's good. No, 2% ain't good enough. You got to be all the way in with God. It wasn't until the Lord humbled him down through the threat of dying that David finally got low enough to pray the kind of prayer that God would actually listen to, that it actually got in his ears. And you know what, guys, you're thinking, well, I want God to hear my prayers like that, but I don't want to have to go through all this mess to get there. You don't have to. 
You can drop the pride and just get on your knees now. Why, why does it take us so much trouble to get to that point? Why does it take the United States of America and now the world, all this mess that's going on, to get people to turn back? Why does it take all that? Because we're sinners. But for you individually and this church body together, we can make this a day where it's like, you know what? I don't want to have to go through all that mess. Why don't I at some time tonight when I'm by myself, just get down before the Lord and say, Lord, I am sorry. You can probably bypass a lot of mess. God will hear that. Second Samuel 22 and 8. Listen to this, okay? God heard his prayer. Now what happens, okay? The prayer got in God's ear. It says, then, that means something happened before that. The prayer got in. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. Okay. The entire world was trembling. At first, David was just talking about himself, where he felt like he was at. Everybody's coming to get me. But now the whole world was shaken. What just happened? Let's consider that the Lord heard David's prayer. His man, David, is under covenant, and he heard David's prayer. David is finally to a place where his prayers are getting in. Lord says, okay, I'll take that one. But the Lord answered according to the Davidic covenant upon David, but it was not just for David's benefit. Now the whole world shakes. Big stuff. Now remember, the covenant stated there would be an eternal kingdom line from David, which would bring forth the Messiah Jesus, who would rule from the throne of David forever. And so we got to consider yours and my salvation is wrapped up in this Davidic covenant. I can see that real easy. Messiah Jesus came from David. The covenant has to stay. This was not just a covenant about David alone. This was about the whole world in this covenant. And so David was at the center of God's purpose of salvation for the entire world. And so not only would David be saved from his enemies, but this would also apply to everyone throughout all of human history that would ever call upon the name of the Lord. The whole covenant is wrapped up in David. And when David cried out, the Lord heard a Lord's anger for the enemies coming after David was so fierce it shook the whole world. That is powerful. <laughs> Do you see how serious the Lord takes covenant? And so the covenant reaches as far outward as the entire world in its size. And so of all creation, all of creation shook and trembled under the Lord's wrath which was an expression of God's concern for David and God's concern for the covenant he made with him. Guys, do you think anybody is ever going to uproot the Lord's covenant ever? Not from what I'm reading. (laughs) Who can do this? Only the Lord can do this. This is great. Anybody that ever tried to kill David apparently did not understand covenant. But anybody that tried to kill him, whether it was Absalom or Saul or any one of those many giants that tried to kill David off, they aroused God's anger so fierce that for them to dare try to cut off God's covenant promise from happening that God got so angry he shook all of creation to keep the covenant intact shake all of creation to keep his covenants are you under covenant 
Do you realize God just probably will shake all of creation to keep his covenant with you? Oh, wow. God made a promise to David, and nobody's going to stop it. And through this covenant, David, would, his line would bring Jesus Christ, would come here to die for the sins of the world so that we would be saved. Anybody, anywhere that threatened or threatens to mess up God's plan, God's plan to save us, they will be shaken. They're not going to find firm ground when they mess with God's people. You realize how fiercely God fights for you and I once we enter covenant? Oh, that's good. This covenant through David, nobody can can come through it. It's going to be kept. And God is going to shake it all to the depths of all creation by the anger of God towards anyone that would dare try to stop his plan. He's going to keep it. It's like if someone was to ever try to dare hurt one of your children. I'm telling you, if anybody tried to go back there and hurt Rain or Toby, probably not just Hank and Emily, I bet every last one of us would go and take that guy down to the ground, wouldn't we? We'd be all over him. Anybody that tries to take God's covenant or mess with God's covenant with you, God is going to shake all of creation to take that guy down. Anybody that tries to stand in the way of your salvation, if anybody tries to block your way of coming to Jesus, that angers the Lord so fierce that all of creation shakes from it. Guys, if you look on the news and you look on TV, is creation shaken? I'll tell you it is. Even literally to earthquakes, volcanoes, everybody's getting upset, everybody's getting mad, everything's breaking, everything's falling apart. What do you think's going on? There's spiritual battle out there, and all of creation is shaking because the Lord wants a lot of people that are not yet looking at Him, and also the Lord is trying to protect a lot of people that are in covenant with Him, that a lot of people are trying to take us out. Creation is shaken, especially the sooner when Jesus comes back. I just want to ask you a quick question. Can you see how much God wants you to do all this? for you it's fantastic the god of all creation will shake the creation he made for you wow he did it for david second samuel 22 and 10 he bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet he rode upon a cherub and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind he made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.